1: So what, uh, what is this place anyway? Is it some type of fancy DMV?
0: Are you kidding?
1: It's the Hall of Justice. Seth Everett is the best there
0: is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. This is episode 314. Uh, I want to especially uh, welcome all the new listeners. There were so many people who found this podcast because of what we did last week with the tribute to Kevin Conroy. Uh, I just wanna say uh, that was a labor of love. It was a pain in the ass to put together, but it was so worth it. It came out so great. I, I re-listened to it and I never do that to my own podcast, uh, but I actually re-listened to it because the stuff that was said about Kevin was so amazing. And I, I love the idea that anybody who picks up a comic book, you you read anything with Batman it's in his voice. You just you hear his his voice. So while that was all going on, uh, the television show Stargirl came to its series conclusion, and it's very interesting. We've ta- we've we've had a couple of people from Stargirl on the podcast. Uh, we had the young lady who plays Wildcat, Yvette Monreal. Uh, she came on the podcast uh, uh, right around the start of this season three. But the original person that we ever had a connection to on the podcast about Stargirl was Dragon King himself. Uh, Dragon King, of course, plays a pivotal yet, I would say, small role in the show. And uh, his his character is a major plot twist in season three. And uh, back way back when uh, 187, episode 187, Nelson Lee was kind enough to come on the podcast just to show you what had gone on that was the start of covid that was also the debut episode 186 of the podcast is the review of this brand new app called hbo max (laughs) (laughs) random is that huh we've had that that week uh or that month that was when everything was locking down and nelson lee was kind enough to do that now that the show has ended we wanted to kind of put a bow on Stargirl and kind of it, it's another nail in the coffin of the this the Arrowverse this the CW Arrowverse and we'll talk about that as well. But welcome Nelson Lee back to the show, Nelson. We went over your whole bio back in 187. I'm not doing that again simply yeah, because I want people to go back and listen to 187.
1: <laughs> don't bore everyone, Seth. <laughs>
0: Thanks for having me on again. <laughs> welcome, welcome back, man. How about this? You got to be Dragon King again.
1: I know, I know, and it's good because you know I've been sitting on it all season, and you know every the fans and the a lot of the. The other uh, kind of sites I've been moderating have been asking questions. I'm like, I can't say anything, but yeah, it's it's always fun to have that in your back pocket and have the fans. I mean, that finale was amazing. It's uh, it's bittersweet because, you know, obviously all of us are really sad that the show uh, ended, but I think the writing was on the wall when all those deals were starting to be made.
0: Well, that was the thing, you know, Stargirl is a show, to be honest, it started on an app. It was yeah. a DC universe. That was that was the thing. Then it was going to go to HBO Max. Then it went to the CW. And then everybody wondered, did it change because it went to the CW? You know, did they did they PG it? You know what I mean? To to keep it there. But I think with the nature of the kids and the fact that so much of it took place in a high school setting, I didn't think it was going to get much more violent than it did.
1: No, and I think it made total sense for and Jeff has always said, stood behind that that you know going you to say Seattle, Jeff
0: uh, Jeff Johns you're Johns,
1: talking Johns the the, 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 the the creator maestro, of the show the yeah. maestro uh, this the show is based on uh, as a tribute to his sister who passed yeah. away on on a plane crash tragically um and it's such a beautiful beautiful uh, show that he, he and such a great thing to be a part of something like that that means so close to Jeff and yeah, when he went to CW, I think he knew that this was a good home for it. Like you said, because of the content, it's always in high school. They fit totally, and and the whole idea behind it was always that everyone that Breck, that Star Girl, comes in contact with is going to become better. Get uh, that's yeah. kind of the whole uh, idea of. It. And Jeff Jeff used to share that with us, and it was a beautiful thing to think about that way. And I think yeah. HBO Max would have been interesting, but you know, CW is great.
0: Well, and it'll be on HBO Max uh, soon, exactly. you know uh, in in some in some form of yeah. incarnation. Who, who knows what's happening with that app and uh, everything that's gone on with that? Just to clarify something that you did say, he created the character for the comic book based yeah. on his daughter. He didn't create yes. the show. Uh, yes, no, no sorry, okay. sorry he created <laughs> the character
1: Stargirl. Thank you for right. correcting.
0: yeah. and Stargirl, you know, what I was interested in and when we had a vet on the show, um, One of the things that she she was very, very uh wonderful, but I don't think she had the 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 gravity of the legacy of the characters that they were playing. Right. They right, were right. playing characters that had been in the comics for 60 years. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, Wildcat is. Yeah, it's crazy.
0: Yeah. But that's the idea, like Ted Grant and, and Alan yeah. Scott Green Lantern and, and, and Starman and the Justice Society of America and all of those things. And how they were re, you know, reinventing those characters, all with characters that had been reinvented in the comics.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: So like Doctor Midnight had a. No- there was two Doctor Midnights. Yeah. Yeah. But the legacy. What I, What I loved was they were putting characters on screen. That I mean, it, it's it's a golden age of superheroes when you can put Doctor Midnight. There's two Doctor Midnights. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I had a friend who was a massive,
1: massive DC fan. And when he just watched, he watched the pilot and he just just like wrote me and just gushing, saying like, this is so good, bro. This is like perfect capture of the golden age. And, and you know, and, and it was, it was just that first fight is so much fun. And what they've been able to do uh, throughout all three seasons has been has been wonderful to put these characters on screen. That you never thought you'd see who thought you'd see the dragon king that on, on
0: a screen and okay so 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 explain that process that was one thing that we didn't really get into uh, in the beginning um, what were they looking for uh, what what did you hear about it did you have to audition for for something like this well, yeah, it's it's
1: well Jeff and I have uh had worked together before on 2006 on Marvel's kind of first TV show Blade the series. Uh no one really knows about it. Uh we were well, Blade
0: the series one. was not but it was not Wesley Snipes, right? It was not Wesley Snipes. It was right. after Blade 3 and right. after, I remember.
1: Uh, and uh, it was and basically we were supposed to be kept, uh, catching up right after that as far as timeline went and Blade. Uh so it was right after Whistler had been killed. Spoiler right. alert. Uh, and- Spoiler,
0: <laughs> 20 years old hey, you know
1: what I mean if you missed it you waited too long yeah. Uh, but yeah um, and so we're supposed to take over that and it was a really fun show uh, on a new network called Spike TV but uh, Jeff Spike was one of the writers
0: yeah remember that <laughs> they had that show uh, drawn together oh uh- yeah you remember the animated show? Yeah. It was it was yeah. like the adult animated show. Oh my yeah. god, that was that show. Cree Summer is on that. She's like one of my uh, white whales that I'm trying to get on the podcast. Right, right, right. But uh, uh, yeah, it's, oh, that's so funny. Spike TV, <laughs> it's supposed yeah. to be men men but TV. Yeah. It was remember, it's like Spike TV, made yeah. for men. <laughs> can imagine they would, that would not fly for never. 10 seconds, <laughs> never. <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: but yeah, so Jeff and I worked on that, and and you know, fast forward fifteen plus years later, I get a call from him that he's making this show called Stargirl, and he just wanted me to you know come in for the Dragon King, and you know, and I, honestly, I didn't, you know. I you know researched All Star Squadron all that stuff that he had first come on before and and it's an interesting character that you would not be able to think that you could like translate into modern times but it did an amazing job and from costumes to the way it's written and yeah it's it was so much fun to bring him to life
0: and we we did talk about this that that time originally you were in this mask you know it was just your voice I mean it was yeah. you but but it didn't have to be you I mean if oh, yeah. Well, we if it with somebody else all the
1: time. It's like you know what you could be anyone in there. It's like thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, we, it's we good to feel re- replaceable.
0: <laughs> we just dealt with that with the on the podcast with uh, with um, uh, the late Chadwick Boseman. Right, you, you could have given him a superhero death. He wears a costume where you can't see his face. Right, right. You Could have put literally. You could have put me in that costume and nobody <laughs> would have known. <laughs> I mean, um. But then th- this season they actually show uh a flashback which yeah. uh shows you and it you know you 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 play Dr. Shiro Ito um you're in uh, uh eight episodes total but uh in the flashback episode you're you. I mean the, Yeah. I- outside of social media, that was the first time I had seen, I was like, hey, I know that guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of people were like, who is this? (laughs) But I mean, there's like a picture of me in Cindy's and my daughter's uh, who plays uh, Shiv in the show. Uh, There's a picture of me on a nightstand that I took way back during COVID at my sister's house. (laughs) They had sent me this outfit to put on and I took that picture. Uh, but that's the only other time that they had shown my face. So it was it was fun to not sit in a chair and have that mask on and get to do the voice.
0: That's very funny. And she plays Cindy plays a vital role throughout you, the entire series. I mean, she's the, yeah. she's the the the, the she, I don't want to call her the villain because, you know, she goes through different incarnations. But, you know, especially by season two, she's kind of their ally, even though they don't trust her and she doesn't address trust them.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, again, like speaks to the magic that Jeff was trying to create with Stargirl. The fact that she can see the good in everyone, even in someone as evil as uh, Cindy was in season one. You know, she was
0: she was pretty bad, uh, but she turned her around. Cindy's played by Meg DeLacy. Tell me about her.
1: Uh, she's great. Um, She was such a wonderful uh, person to work opposite. And she's brought so much kind of spunk and fire to the character um she plays obviously my daughter who i've experimented on uh for a long time and uh
0: through the course of that you could say spoilers no i'm just kidding
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's true it's true um i guess without saying as much she has an interesting journey complex in no her- no
0: we were spoiling that I, I was kidding i was kidding <laughs> this shows out <laughs> it's available on the cw app yeah. it's on i watched it on hulu i mean it, it's everywhere you you can you can see it by now this podcast we don't we don't uh, uh pussyfoot away from uh <laughs> from from spoilers on this show uh, <laughs> that's 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 definitely never been the thing um it just, it was interesting to see all these uh, young people getting these key roles. I mean, uh, Icicle was a kid. Uh, uh, Wildcat, you mentioned, was a kid. Uh, Our man, Rick Tyler. Uh, I mean, that was a crazy arc. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's all about addiction. I mean, that, yeah. that, that was it, what that it's was. wonderful
1: things. It was a great, great thing to show him, like, get addicted to that power and, the you know, the limiter taken off. It was wonderful and him coming over to like ask for help. it was, it's just so well done. And, and he's uh, an amazing actor. I mean, Cam is such a fantastic actor. And what all those- Cameron
0: Gelman, yeah.
1: Yes, Cameron, all those, all those actors just brought it. They did so much, you know, even if they, you know uh, they're young and don't understand the the entire, you know sometimes what the shoes they're stepping into they just brought their own to it. And that kind of is the beauty of it. They, they, Unknowingly, just kicked ass and just did so well with these characters and made it their own.
0: PristineAuction.com is the most trusted memorabilia auction site with an A BBB rating. Auctions on PristineAuction.com start at just $1, and each day there are over 1,000 autographed items available. So you win signed, authentic signatures at affordable prices. There's comic books, trading cards, action figures great items to add to your collections before the show i was looking at some of the items that are available including a signed poster by mark hamill carrie fisher harrison ford david Prouse, and peter mayhew from the star wars trilogy that's incredible uh, rocky's boxing shorts from rocky four there's a lot of comic book art too todd McFarlane signed guitar Leonard nimoy william shatner signed a star trek issue Every item on pristineauction.com comes with a certificate of authenticity from the industry's most reputable authenticators. Upgrade your collection of signed memorabilia today and get $10 off your first item when you use the code justice. Again, that's pristineauction.com. Use code justice and get $10 off your first item One. How much do you think of the burden of this show was on Breck Basinger? um just the idea that I mean it's not called Justice Society. it's yeah. Stargirl, and she's young, and I thought she uh, embraced the role, but she played it young i mean she was she was a kid yeah. and she she was you never saw her and thought, boy, that's a twenty five year old playing a high schooler like she played like a naive kid.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. It was not 90210 where you have 40-year-olds in high school. But
0: it, I mean, she she was an That'd amazing... it would be awesome if Stargirl met the cast of 90210. <laughs> That'd be an amazing episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> A whole another one. Andrea can be in there. They'll they, yeah. all of them get the peach pit. It'll be great. Um, But she was an amazing number one. Like, to lead the show, carry it on her shoulders, and she she always was so gracious, and she did it with such power and like like you said she balanced it so well with the kind of uh unknown of being a teenager in school but also a, being a superhero and being in charge of all these people she was the leader of the team um ostensibly you know and and and, and of a lot of things and she navigated all these crazy things from looking for her father from dealing with starman or dealing with pat uh and and she did a and a, a love for a, a guy that ends up becoming you know turns bad from a bad side, but eventually turns them over and brings them back. So all those things she did so well. And, you know, they were very lucky to find Breck. I yeah, can't when when,
0: uh, when they though. finally hooked up, I was like, boy, this is not on HBO yeah. Max, is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> you mentioned uh, An- a- Andrea from uh, 90210. Uh, there's the great story. I think we've told this story on the podcast, but she was the president of SAG-AFTRA.
1: Oh, I remember. For years, for yes.
0: years. and there yes. was a big meeting in the New York office. I never forget this. And she came out and gave this big speech. And I swear to God, I felt like I was on an episode of Nine Hundred and Two. And <laughs> it was so weird to see her. And like, and now the head of uh, SAG after, and I haven't seen her face to face yet, is uh, Fran Drescher. Oh yes, it is.
1: Yes, it is. Fran Drescher.
0: Tell me, I I I, I don't know what to say. That was, that was so. That was so weird. I. It's so that's so funny. Um,
1: I mean, I'll equate it to like the first time I moved to Los Angeles, and I saw uh, Governor Schwarzenegger written on the. In the taxes. I was like, okay, I am in Los Angeles,
0: <laughs> right? And yeah. then, and then, uh, um, it was a, well. I I'll never forget my favorite SAG after story, is I had a meeting, um, with the New York office, and I went in. And you're sitting in the lobby, like like you would going into a meeting. And uh, Vanessa from the Cosby show was oh, wow. sitting across the couch. And I went, Am I supposed to pretend I know who that is? Like, I, I totally knew who that was, but yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't know what she was there for. Like, maybe she was in trouble for something. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the sag police. <laughs> Vanessa, you're doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny what about the uh what, what about the grown-ups in, in in the cast What what's your thought you mentioned uh, joel McHale and luke yeah. wilson was in it that was pretty good yeah. amy smart was it was in smart, it neil
1: jackson uh neil yeah. hopkins yeah uh, yeah i mean it's it's there it was an amazing cast uh joyce Mansky of course that <clears throat> that death scene of theirs was just hard oh, yeah
0: yeah, that was pretty wild.
1: Yeah, icicle went a little far. I was like, "Come on, man, what's your beef?"
0: Yeah, they, yeah, they, 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 you they killed just kill them. You like
1: shattered them.
0: <laughs> yeah, they they killed some people off. They 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 definitely didn't skimp when it came to effect. I've yeah. I've said that about all the uh, the the CW shows. They they never look cheap. Um yeah. they 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 don't. Now there is the argument and. Uh, you know, Stargirl didn't really apply to this because it was 13 episodes. But right. the you know, the the shows like Arrow and The Flash, we had uh, uh Eric Wallace, the showrunner of The Flash on. And, you know, frankly, his job is hard because oh, yeah. they try to do these arcs, and frankly, an arc over 20 some odd episodes is too much. Yeah. And, it, and it what is. happens is it gets stale, and like you see some of these shows with like eight episodes that are great. I just well, finished yeah. the White Lotus. Yeah. seven episodes and you're you, like each episode feels like a feature film well
1: that's why you you have that you you have that luxury when you have shorter episodes when you have 22 you're just taking your arc and you're like parsing it out in like little bits which is why it gets boring you're like right. you're like oh god this is happening i remember watching dragon ball z when i was a kid and it was kind of the same they'd always they'd always end on this right. clever,
0: come on just get to it just get to the just thing get to the point right <laughs> yeah right well a perfect example is uh quantum leap we, we oh, yeah. just heard, uh, you know, th- yeah. this week, if you're listening to this podcast this week, um, uh, Quantum Leap was just renewed for season two. Yeah. But a couple of months ago, they they did, an, uh, they did an announcement where they were going from 12 to 18 episodes. Right. My initial reaction was, oh, man, yeah. really? Because yeah. now you're going to stretch this crap out. Like, and it's just going to be longer. It's not yeah. going to be better. It's going to be longer. And I like Quantum Leap. But. I like the I like these shows when they're shorter. Right. Uh, is anyone complaining about the Mandalorian? Yeah. Is anybody complaining about andor? you know yeah. like no no one's saying andor should be twenty five episodes yeah like it, it, it they're, they're, these shows are shorter and what's happened now with Stargirls cancellation and the flash coming to an end, and who knows what happens with Superman and Lois, my gut feeling is I think it, it I think it's gonna end. I mean yeah. if i if i was betting on it i i would say that it is they they haven't said one way or the other the reality of it is is that you're not going to see a superhero show be a 20 25 episode yeah. thing anymore like all of this is going to be short it's going to be highly produced that bbc model of you know six great episodes but make all of them Packed and yeah. spare no expense, and you'll, it makes more sense in
1: every way. You save money. You're you're not doing you know you, you 22 episodes is ex, as expensive as hell, you yeah. know as opposed to condensing it down, knowing what your arc is, and just like having the faith. That's the thing. Getting having time to really develop a story as opposed to like every putting filler in because which is what right. it is. You have 22 episodes,
0: right? You know
1: maybe season one you get away with like a very exciting 22. Come season three, you're like tapping tapping out.
0: Stargirl was different because for most of the time, it was a summer replacement Yeah, for the first two years. So it yeah. was shorter. And then for this year, you know, everything's all kind of wackadoodle with the CW because uh, basically the CW has been it bought. My favorite story about the CW, though, is when they found out the the average age of the viewer is 58 years old. And all their shows are for teeny boppers. That's yes. tremendous. It, it was pretty awesome. You're
1: like, <laughs> we all knew this. <laughs> <laughs> let's pretend, let's stop pretending. We thought it was all,
0: yeah. That's tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that cracked me up. That was, that, that was uh, hysterical. Um, tell me about the, uh, the connection that you made um, with the writers and, 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 and everything. You're a, you're a superhero guy. That's why, yeah. you know, like you're a fan as much as anything. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is not where you just come in. Uh, you know, a lot of times whenever we have actors on, uh, they they can't say anything because I, I, we, you know, Susan Eisenberg, who I love, we just had her on la- uh, last week. She was cast as the sorceress in Masters of the Universe. Right. And I said, wow, that's an interesting arc that the sorceress goes through. You know, she basically dies in episode one. Right. And And she's just like, well, they write it on the page and I read it. (laughs) (laughs) I show up and I say lines. Yes. (laughs) But you're, you're kind of a fan. So like how invested were you, even if it was on the periphery in the writing of this show? Oh,
1: very invested, you know, especially since I felt a great duty and like uh, to to make sure that I brought this character to life. You know, when you look at some of these characters written in the 80s, uh, it's there's, there's definitely a little bit of like a racial like <laughs> maybe insensitivity. I'll put it, you know, and this character's named Dragon King, but to bring him to life and to make him complex and not just like, oh, I'm a, a Asian baddie, you know, and it, it was important to me to really bring him out and make him like a really interesting, believable, complex character. And it's difficult to do all that in a mask. Uh, it's a lot of voice acting and stuff like that. But um, yeah, no, it's it's wildly important to me. And especially where I fit into the world and dealing with my daughter and dealing with Icicle and all those things. And yeah, it's it was a really fun thing to be a part of.
0: Uh, if you want, I'll take this out of the podcast, but do you find now in 2022, it is harder or easier to get Asian typecast roles? See, that's that's an interesting question. And it's one of those
1: things that seems on the surface right now, there's more. Yes, I see more people that look like me on screen. I see more of that. But as far as am I seeing a real bump in job opportunities? Not really, because it's very specific to things that, you know, people are like cashing in on that, you know, they're going to be like, we'll have an Asian woman in this role, we'll have an Asian, but they have very specific ideas about what they want. It's not just an open door to having more. That being said, I applaud anytime there's, you know, people are putting in more Asian people, you know, in any or people person of color at all in shows uh, in big roles, not just like the background and not having to explain why they're there. That's that's the big thing, too. Like, you know, not having, you know we don't have to kick or do something funny to be right. on a show right now. You know, we can just be someone, but I can be Frank and so you know, I can just go on and be in the show. So that's, you're seeing that, but there's, we still have a long way to go, but uh, it's good to see a little bit of change, but it, yeah, definitely there's more people that look like me on the screen. Did Shang-Chi help that? Absolutely. You know, I think as same way as like Black Panther did uh, Sure. for that, I think, and also the great thing about Shang-Chi is that it was good. You know, if it was bad, if it didn't make money, then, you know, because that's ultimately less face facts. It's people always say like, oh, they're not ready for it. People are not. It's never about what they're ready for. You tell them what, you know, you give them a good product and they like it. And, you know, I I think it's a silly thing to think that we got to sit and wait until people, you know, there's a very large audience that is craving uh, content with people of color and not just because of that. They just want good stories. And Shang-Chi was a great story, well told and well acted and a lot of fun. Um, and it was great
0: what we did on the podcast um you know to to review these various movies i wanted to bring in somebody who was of the same background right so for example for black panther uh we had an african-american right uh in both uh we had victor dandridge for the first black panther and marshall harris uh for the the second one the the wakanda forever in which they did t'challa wrong um right. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, Not yeah. over it. I'm not <laughs> over it. Ah, uh, that movie infuriated me. Really. Um, but for Sh- and we could talk about that. But uh for Shang-Chi, uh there's a a fine gentleman, uh he did some stuff for DC Universe uh and he's been on the podcast a bunch, uh Brian Tong. Okay. Uh and uh we asked the question um of of all three. And then uh when Ms Marvel came out, Right. Uh we had someone of middle eastern descent. Nice. Uh Suara Saleh, um who was amazing. Um because I I, I asked that question the same way in that when when you see that kind of representation it, it's my theory that an asian person can love that movie at 10 but a but a jewish kid from jersey can only like that movie a 9.5. Like there's just Because I can't put myself in those shoes, and I don't have that sense of accomplishment. What I'm looking for is a a good story. Shang-Chi, first of all, I love Simu Liu. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Too much Aquafina in that movie. Um, (laughs) She's great as an actor. It has nothing to do with her acting. I don't understand how she gets the bows and arrows and can slay the dragon at the end of it. Right, right. (laughs) <laughs> what training did she get <laughs> whatever uh, that, that, that's fine but but that's what I mean is like I can look at it from a comic book standpoint I don't look at it from the cultural standpoint right I mean I think it
1: can go both, both ways I think sometimes you can be hypercritical of something that you're being represented by you could be like oh why are they showing this version why are we making them sexy You know, like it's 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 one of those things like it. it, But I think ultimately, I hope at the end of the day, what we get used to. And it's just good storytelling with whoever it happens to be playing it. And I think obviously that story has some fantasy, has some stuff like rooted in culture. So that's important to have that. I think the most important thing to me is the fact that when I was a kid, the only person I saw that looked like me and things was Bruce Lee, you know, And, and I and that's a great guy to have the best the still the greatest of all time. But now for a kid, a Jewish kid in, in Brooklyn to see a person that looks like me is like, it shows that it's normal. It's not that it's like, oh, I, I can only see them in, in these kind of things. I can only see them instead of like separating us, it combines us all into just, oh, I'm watching a movie. I'm watching a movie and they look like this. I'm watching a movie and they look like this. And I think that's where it's the reprogramming is important.
0: My favorite example of just seeing somebody for be- them being on the screen, is uh, Gal Gadot uh, oh, yeah. as Wonder Woman. Yeah, Because um, I've told this story on the podcast a bunch, but the reality of Gal Gadot is, she, as wonderful an actress as she is, she can't do any accent other than Israeli. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. rather than have her be like a fish out of water, they made all the Amazons uh, have an Israeli accent. Yeah. And so it like makes Robin sense. Wright. Yeah. And, that's my Hebrew school fantasy now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Why <laughs> couldn't all my Hebrew school teachers look like that. I mean, <laughs> exactly. it was just like that, wasn't it? Yeah. I think you'll that. They all did. They all look like that. <laughs> that's exactly right. I, and I always thought that, 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 that joke never died because I was Jewish. Like I could pull that off. And yeah. what I, what I don't, what I don't want, is for any of this to be shown as token, right? Like, Absolutely. I like that Shang Chi uh, stuck to the comic book. Yes, uh, I like Black Panther. I I don't like what they did to Black Panther, but you know, whatever. Yeah. That's that's neither here, neither here nor there. And I said flat out at the time, uh, Ms. Marvel, I thought was too much Pakistan, right. Right, right, right. Like it was less comic booky and too much. I didn't mind that she was from Pakistan, right. but she goes there for two episodes of a six-episode thing, and I'm like, oh my god, more. Right.
1: You're also speaking about story. You have so such few to to get. Why are we focusing on that? And I think that's the balance that people have to find, and like that we have to find as storytellers and as people like that are vessels for the stories, you know. It's, how much do we give, how much do we want to, you know, obviously tokenism is something we absolutely want to avoid, but finding that balance of like, I just want to be human in this experience. You know, um, the fact that she's from Pakistan is amazing and it's groundbreaking and it's wonderful. Um, you know, I haven't had a chance to watch it, but I, I'm sure it's, you know, we want to see her experience as a Pakistan uh, uh, female in this but world. But she's also living in New Jersey. Like, exactly. like, like she's, show she's, that too. Which is an American, yeah, That that is that is how we live. We are in this mosaic together. And that, yeah, um, I think that's the, the goal of any story that we want to be telling.
0: How old were you when you came to America and what, how much of a culture shock was it?
1: Yeah, I, I was five when I, and I moved to, from Taiwan to Canada. So I grew up in East Coast, Canada. Nice. Uh, where, our, friend, our, friend, our friend Leah uh, is also from Toronto. But I grew up Oh, east a mutual friend, yes. Yeah, so I, I grew up on, on the East Coast above Maine though, like further from Toronto. So I grew up in a place called St. John, New Brunswick. Uh, so I moved the that St.
0: John uh, Flames. Yes,
1: the Calgary farm team. There you go. Yes, yes, yes yeah. yeah. We were very excited when we got the, that team, so. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem Transformers. Want to learn a bit about the Transformers? Think you know everything about Cybertron, but are looking to learn a little bit more. Enroll today at Transformers University Podcast. Each episode will tackle a piece of Transformers history, starting in 1984 and marching our way up to today. Hosted by me, Anthony Brucali, three-time Emmy Award winner and consulting producer on Netflix's The Toys That Made Us, and lifelong Transformers fan.
0: We'll go on a journey through cartoons and comics, toys and movies, And all the weird esoterica from around the world, chronicling the adventures of everyone's
1: favorite, Robots in Disguise. Listen to Transformers University on iTunes, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
0: Transform and roll out! So you live in in Canada, and when did you decide acting was something you were going to go for?
1: It was a long time, really, because you know, uh, like you said earlier. I mean, it's a, it was definitely a culture shock growing up there. You know, there weren't a lot of people that looked like me, and definitely in my neighborhood, I was the only one. Um, but you were the you only know,
0: Asian kid in your neighborhood.
1: Yeah, in my neighborhood, absolutely. Um, and and it was, you know, my mom and my dad had a store in this market. We all grew up working in that market. My little sister was, you know, born in in Saint John and raised in a little crib in that market. You know, in in well, that. I know,
0: I know you're not Korean, but is that show yeah, Kim's? Yeah, ki- yeah, Kim, yeah, Kim's convenience. is Kim was- Convenience, like like. Mm-hmm. Is it is it true to life? I mean, it's it's definitely
1: different. Like you know, and my 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 mom's experience, my store and that wasn't that experience. But also, we weren't a convenience store. It was more of like a little knickknack souvenir shop. With oh them. okay. But uh, yeah, it's 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 an experience that a lot of immigrants have because that's what we end up doing. We end up opening stores. and end up opening restaurants. Uh, small businesses stuff like that but uh i love yeah. that
0: show that kim's convenience is hysterical
1: yeah that show yeah. is no, great it really was and i great. love that it was it was written by koreans written by koreans and i love that it you mean just like a lot of things just like schitt's creek was it yeah. was on canada forever until netflix yeah. gave it yeah. a, you know reveal it to the world
0: <clears throat> oh, that's so smart
1: as far as like when I came into acting, it was like in the beginning, it was a terrifying thing to ever think about doing it as a career. I mean, it, I did it in school. Uh, I love performing. I went to university in Toronto. I still did it there, but I went to school for philosophy and business. <laughs> so, well, I started in business, hated it. So it's, I added on philosophy just to make it bearable.
0: <laughs> I yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. At least make the classes uh, interesting. Exactly.
1: Exactly. But uh, yeah, and that's, uh, it took me a long time. It wasn't until I went I lived for a little while in Europe and it was when I was over there that I started really thinking about what I wanted to do. And that's when I kind of decided, I thought about like, I had joy, you know, from being on stage, from performing. And so I, you know, took a jump and applied for acting school in New York, got in. And yeah, went over there when I was in like 1997, 98. And yeah, and, uh, yeah. and that's, that's when I started.
0: Like, it, it just feels like every other property is something superhero related. Absolutely yeah like is 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 that a lot of the I mean, I'm sure you still go out on auditions and you try to get roles yeah. and things like that. It, it is it truly like do fans not realize how many superhero properties are in development? yeah. I mean, there there are a lot. there
1: are a lot in and, you know, even just like spinoffs from those properties. it it's it is interesting. like I think eventually there is going to be kind of uh, a point where we're like, okay, let's start having real stories again. Not yeah. that superhero stories aren't real stories, no. but stories without cape, stories without powers, stories where we get, which you know, ultimately was fu- is ironic because in the beginning these were ways for us to really show what it was. You know, sure. X Men was you know all these different yeah. things, and you know, and the Hulk, Batman, all these all these uh, great comics that have really human tropes in them, and and to get back to telling stories, I think that's still what's great. When we lose that, when it's only about the cape, only about the powers, that's when it gets boring. I think. It's it's the best when it combines both worlds and we really see everything.
0: Well, you know, what's interesting to me, you know, just in the sense of the story is the story is the thing that I get most excited about to talk about on these podcasts. Absolutely. We, have a, we have a standard joke on, on the show, which is Ryan Reynolds was great as Green Lantern. It's yeah. not his fault he fought a cloud. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right. Right. And and so like what I never do is I don't talk about the and I, I said this to Todd Helbing, who, who is the showrunner for Superman and Lois. I I'll say this to 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 anybody. It, it, the 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 writing to me is the thing that you can attack the most Absolutely. because that's the decision making. It's never going to be the uh the actors or the production value of right. you know, they're, they're, some of these these shows are are gorgeous yeah you know, here's a perfect example Wonder Woman 1984 is a gorgeous film yeah she steals a plane and rapes a guy <laughs> like, yeah. there, there's there's a lot of issues in that <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing like like but 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 I'm not talking about gals that she, yeah. not, she didn't write it yeah yeah you're right that's why I, I always, I always think this comes down to writing. I, I always think, and that's where, you know, I thought the storylines for as, the limitations that they had, you know, to kind of take it back to star girl. What I thought was they tried their best to push the envelope. Right. Um, they had a lot of characters to inter- introduce and they tried to tie up arcs for yep. all of those characters, Yeah, which is really hard. It when we had a vet on the show, she couldn't really talk about anything from season three, right. and so now seeing the arc of her, you know her, Doctor Midnight's family is embracing. All they want to do is be a part of it, right. and Wildcats family is literally saying, you know, you're you're a liar. Get out of our house. And it yeah, was, it's that when she shows up at the house because she said I had nowhere else to go. Yeah, that was that was gold.
1: Yeah yeah Yvette, Yvette was great. and she had she got really uh, like really meaty stuff to get sink her teeth into. And like you said, it is so hard to tie up all arcs. It's impossible, really. You have to leave some stuff on the floor. um and that's unfortunately this the way it goes because otherwise it's too much. It seems like you're just doing too much because life a lot of times doesn't tie up. so
0: so what's so okay, so let's spoil the the hell out of it. basically, Dragon King uh, performs an operation, takes the ultra humanite. And puts him in the 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 body, the still living body of Starman. Yep. And then puts his brain out of his scaly Dragon King body and puts yep. it into this this gorilla. Yeah. So number one, are you the gorilla? Like are you yeah. like it's CGI, but are you standing there? Like when you're talking to Cindy, is that no. you? No I I mean I did the voice uh right. for, for but I I'm not standing. they had they
1: just have this big like cardboard cut up just like, <laughs> to to give eye line. so yes no I I wish it was me on stilts like Groot but uh, no 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> No I wasn't thinking of you on stilts but with like 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 uh I was picturing Ruffalo
1: Yeah exactly yeah 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 No no they they just used that
0: <laughs> that cut That's up. all CGI that's that that's CGI. 100% CGI but 100%, it is your yeah. voice it is my voice, yes. And so. in at that, so so in that sense, um, so so that, that'll happen. And then, so this idea, the, the whole season, Starman is back from the dead, yeah. uh, theoretically. And they just kind of accept that. Which, I, I, that, yeah. that's, there's, there's a little there's, bit of fantasy there.
1: Well, there's great little uh, Easter eggs in there where there's, I think, I can't remember which episode it is it when he's right back. I think it might be the first one when Starman returns. He checks a uh, scar on his head, which is him, ultra humanite, checking to see if the scar was visible. And they're just like small things like that. That you know, I know it still takes a lot of like, okay, sure. But when you're talking about brain transplants, anyway, you there's a there's there's, there's definitely a level of uh you know suspension of disbelief that we have to. <laughs> well, there's
0: one scene where they go into the, like Dragon King's old lab. Yep. At the end, and it's yeah. and it's the brain of of the original Starman. Uh, yeah. and he's like screaming because he's trapped.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he's and you know, and as they infer at the end, when Shade is giving that tour, they yeah. save him, rescue him, and they you know they come back and defeat the Nebula Man.
0: That's crazy. That's uh, crazy that they do all of that. Um, when you got cast, uh, how much of the comics did had you read, and did you go out and find comics? The Justice yeah. Society had a revival in the two thousands yeah like i I've seen a lot of justice society stuff,
1: yeah. I mean, I've read I mean, as a kid, i actually one of my favorites was flash. I mean, I, I that was one that flash and Hawkman i were the only two little. I didn't have a lot of toys, uh, but I wanted them all. But, you know, but those were one of the few. And I remember my flash when you squeezed his arms, his legs. He ran. Oh, he yeah, ran. sure. But it, I mean, not well. And <laughs> Hawkman, you could squeeze his yeah. legs and, and it, the, the wings would fly. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. They were like my treasures. I don't know where they are. I think my mom threw out all my stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but I love those. And, you know, so it's fun to come back. Um, as far as you know star girl uh stars and stripes i hadn't read those but after i got cast obviously i got all of them sure. uh, read all of them and it's it's a ton of fun and you know what's it's so cool to see just the evolution of jsa and like all the things that connect to stuff i'd read when i was younger till now um but yeah pretty it's awesome yeah, it's very cool
0: we had uh matt ryan on Next. the on the podcast, and he. Um, he was so funny because he told a story about how when he got cast as John Constantine for the NBC show, right, he went to a comic book store and said, I, I have a credit card. Give me everything John Constantine I can find. Right. I need to know everything about this guy. And he just right. spent like a week. Just yeah. nonstop reading comics. And- yeah, that's
1: what you should do. That's what I mean. And the thing is, it's it's fun. If I mean, I think about that right. as a job. Like, right, like, so, oh, right. That's a job. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna read graphic novels all for weeks. It'd be amazing. Yeah, it's,
0: it, it's torture, torture. We used to end the podcast this way, um, and I think if I remember correctly, I asked you this uh, back when you were on the first time. Um, how do you feel about social media? And in the course of doing shows that have these fan bases like what you just went through, um, how have you found social media to be? And that's assuming that by the time this podcast is posted, Twitter still exists.
1: Oh, right. (laughs) It might implode. (laughs) We we all might be deleted.
0: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if you guys saw the, the post. I'll say this on the podcast, but John Cena followed me on Twitter. Okay, nice. I do not want Twitter to disappear. <laughs> I, I want to live in a world where Linda Carter, David Hasselhoff, and John Cena all follow me on Twitter. <laughs> we got to dream the impossible, Seth. <laughs> That's right. That's. Uh, <laughs> I
1: love that. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I joined Twitter like a long time ago, and the only reason I had done it uh, is because of the Kogi truck. There was the, one of the beginning of food truck kind of craze. Uh <laughs> Roy Choi, the the chef, had come up with this way to just tweet, and I joined it for that reason. So uh, I'm I am awful on social media, like I suck, like I, like you know, I don't use it well, but it's the the fans have always been amazing. The interaction, the ability to kind of interact and fuse with your uh, the fans, that's been really fun to do.
0: I mean, I would imagine strangers, like like Asian. It doesn't have to be kids, but Asian kids or young adults or or anybody oh, yeah. says, 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 you know, we see you on Stargirl and like you're a role model.
1: Yeah, there's been lots of beautiful like uh, kind of fan mail that I've gotten uh, by messages or whatever else through yeah. messaging that's been really inspiring, and it's it's funny when you 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 forget sometimes you want to remind yourself that you're actually doing something on that screen you're representing you're 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 inspiring you're trying to do something to give some kid sitting somewhere something to go like oh wow that's amazing that guy looks like me or that looks like something i want to do um you know or that's something that resonates with me whatever it is that we have this job that we have this obligation and and duty to to you know keep keep our head up and, and do well
0: well i can promise you this uh whatever your next project is can you tell us what can you tell us that your next project is that we can promote? Um, well, we've
1: got a few things. I've got one really exciting thing that I cannot talk about, but yeah. uh, it's 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 but it's it's going to be a very exciting, very very. But it's very
0: fun, fun to say that, right? It's it fun is. to say. I can't tell you. Yeah. I always it's. think you know, inside people are like, I can't tell you. I'm so disappointed. I can't tell you, but I love the fact that I have something that I can't <laughs> tell you. <laughs> it's that's
1: going to be coming. I, I'm not sure yet when they're announcing that the air date of that, but I have a film that I did uh, last year with uh, with Alex Garland. That's uh, called Civil War. That's with um, uh, Kirsten Dunst, with Jesse Clemens, oh, no. with, uh, you know, a lot, lot of uh, really great actors involved. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll see when that comes out as well. And a couple <laughs> of shows that I'm uh, doing recurring guest star arcs on that'll be coming out next year. But yeah, it's been it's been busy and but the the, the one that I can't talk about is the one I'm most excited about. And that in Alex's film.
0: Well I'll make you a deal. When that's announced, you come back and announce it here. For sure.
1: Absolutely. That's, you got that's it. That's a deal.
0: That's a deal. Nelson Lee, everybody, Dragon King himself, right here on the <laughs> podcast. Uh kudos to Stargirl. Uh, yeah it's a it, it, it's a, it, it's 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 a you know look the fact is, it's all these CW shows are slowly uh, going to be going away, but this one uh, had some dignity, and uh, I thought it was it was, it was was a pretty good show. Three seasons uh, of Stargirl, and uh, Nelson here was the Dragon King. Uh, thank you so much to you, and to, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, next week, another special guest. I'm not going to jinx it, so I'm not going to tease it, because if I tease it and it goes out on, on the podcast, and then he doesn't come on... Well, all right. How about that? I just eliminated 50% of the population. (laughs) Who else could it be? We'll find out next week. We'll see you then.